You're listening to the awesome Podcast Network. This is 80s Revisited. I'm your producer, Jesse Sedgley. And now, your host, Trey Harris. Excuse me, I don't think there's anything wrong with the action on this piano. Well, I heard about the fella you've been dancing with all over the neighborhood. So why didn't you ask me, baby? Or didn't you think I could? Well, I know that the boogaloo is out of sight, but the shingle is a thing tonight. Recording? Oh, I'm sorry. I was kind of grueling to the sounds of 1980 <laughs> and the Blues Brothers. Welcome, everybody, back to 80s Revisited. It's a special event this week. The first of nine, uh, ten set events sporadically appearing throughout the podcast throughout the years to come. The top, uh, My top ten films of 1980, which is also the year, the glorious year of my birth. So... This is uh, be the first one. Of course, over the course of time, we'll eventually cover all the years of the, the decade that we love and we revisit every week here on the podcast. But of course, in case you don't know whose sultry voice this is, I am your host, Trey Harris. Joining me again, my lovely wife, Autumn, and our producer, Jesse Sedgley. Yes, I am. So again, uh, this is just kind of a fun freeform episode, so hopefully it doesn't suck. Hopefully it interests you at all. <laughs> I will say this. When I was looking at all the films that came out in 1980, I was actually pretty shocked because it was actually kind of hard to think of 10 films that I truly, really loved to make a top 10 list. Like, I don't love all these films. Like, they're good films. So, like, some are on here because I've seen them once and, you know, they're better than some of the films I did or, you know, that I hadn't seen on the list. But, uh, you know, nowadays when you look at, like, the amount of films that come out each year, it's it's probably ten times as many. To be yeah. perfectly honest, there was not surprisingly there was not that many films that came out in 1980. Like uh, even like in terms of a classic or a cult classic or a blockbuster. Of course, there's some major ones, and of course, honestly, it's all building up to the cornucopia that is 1986, as we've talked about on the podcast before. Mm. Uh, but yeah, I, I came up with ten, and again, it, it really was hard to uh, actually fill it with ten movies to put on a list other than for the sake of just putting it on the list. I had to really kind of think and all that. So let's get to it. Maybe you should have done a top five. No, top tens are always more fun <laughs> and they take up more yeah. time for the podcast. <laughs> so let's be honest. So, but anyway, without like, further ado, top five movies you liked and then some other mediocre ones you put on to add time. Well, babe, okay. Uh, okay. For 1980, that would have been a great idea. But let me <laughs> ask you this, my dear, when you get to 1986, there is no way in hell. What do you do? What do you, you do? You need like a 25 greatest hits list of 1986 uh, uh, to come up with that. But anyway, uh, my number 10 favorite film of the year 1980 would actually be a foreign film directed by 
and starring Jackie Chan. Uh, it's called mm. The Young Master. It's one of his, early, obviously, earlier works. Uh, of course, Jackie Chan was a huge name in China overseas long before he came over here. And, you know, I really think uh, Rumble in the Bronx was like his big hit over here that then kind of catapulted him to stardom. Uh, but it's just, it's your classic martial arts film from the, you know, late 70s, early 80s. Uh, not real much of a plot. I think his master gets killed. He has to avenge him. But he's young. He, <laughs> he's just trained, you know, so he's still young. Obviously, the young master. But uh, the fight choreography is from Yun Woping, who, huge name in China, came over here, made a huge splash with The Matrix, Crouching Tiger, all those big name uh, films, Hero, uh, House of Flying Daggers were all uh, done by Yun Woping. Uh, so uh, I am a big, tremendous fan of martial arts films. And Young Master is probably one of the, if I had a top 10 list of my favorite martial arts films, that would definitely be on there. It's classic Jackie Chan, and it's really known for its, uh, the big thing. Actually, you're, list, you're watching it right now. Oh, it's a trailer. But that scene, it's a fight scene where they're in uh, the Chinese dragon outfits. It's a really famous scene uh, as far as martial arts cinema goes. So it's, uh, it really is a benchmark title for uh, he looks like martial arts cinema. He could have been ugly if they would have made a movie. Do they have the sound effects in there like that? Yeah, I mean, it's... Wacky well, sound effects? Well, of course, when films like that, when they're dubbed for America, you know, mm-hmm. they're, they're pretty much all redubbed. So they're using, they use, like, stock sound effects, all sorts of, you know, and terrible act, voice acting, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, if you like martial arts wow. films and you haven't seen it, check it out. It's This is what... This is why Jackie Chan was a worldwide name before in a, everywhere but America until the 90s because of his work in his home country. Uh, moving on, number nine. Uh, oh, by the way, Young Master was February 9th, 1980, just to uh, give you an idea of when it came out. Releasing, also have a uh, chart of what was the song of that time. Okay, let's see. Uh, on the radio, you might have been listening just to... Just more time to this podcast. <laughs> Rock With You by Michael Jackson. Yeah. yeah. Good idea, Jesse. That's a great idea, actually. <laughs> since there's a Back to the Future segment. Look at January 12th. Hold on, maybe we're not we'll, there maybe yet. Maybe we'll get there. <laughs> there. Actually, we won't. So, what is it? The Pina Colada song. Okay, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> moving on. Oh, it was number yeah. one for one week, and then Michael Jackson kicked its ass right off the charts. Uh, yeah, give me that date at the beginning so I could load sure. it up too. Uh, but you're, you're fine where you're at because the my number nine released one day before the Young Master. So you were listening, on the way to the theater, you were probably listening to Michael Jackson's Rock With You, and then going to see the 1980 John Carpenter classic, The Fog. Not the crappy remake, but the cheesy 1980s one. Uh, Of course, obviously, we know Daniel hated John Carpenter, because he didn't like Big Trouble in Little China for some reason, but I am a huge John Carpenter fan, and of course he really doesn't make movies anymore, but The Fog was really, really... I remember uh, it, it was very scary at the time. I remember as a kid watching it on TBS or USA. I want to say it was probably USA up all night. Uh, but, you know, the uh, seaside town fog comes in. Some dead sailors come with it. and Say it more scary. Dead sailors infest a seaside town. <laughs> and from the master of horror, John Carpenter. John Carpenter's The Fog. There you go. That's the, that's the trailer version. Of course, they would repeat the name of the movie eight times during the trailer because it's an early 80s trailer. Right. But uh, uh, Carpenter did all the music for it as well. Uh, speaking of which, or on that subject, he recently released an album of unreleased themes called uh, John Carpenter's Lost Themes. Really awesome. You know, It's all just music of just John Carpenter, but mm-hmm. uh, really, really good atmospheric stuff. Like, it could be used for a movie. Yeah. Like, you know, I don't know why he didn't use it for 
you know, go some Mars or whatever. Better. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Thought he had something better, I guess. But yeah, if you haven't seen The Fog, it's a great 80s classic horror movie. It's not like, it's not a generic movie. It's very unique with its story and everything. And it's pretty creepy. It's got uh, Adrian Barbeau, Hal Holbrook, Jamie Lee Curtis, of course. Uh, but if you haven't seen it, definitely check it out. It's worth watching. Don't watch the remake. The remake is garbage, as usual. It's on YouTube. Oh, the whole, whole movie? thing. Yeah. Oh, the remake or the The original? remake. The remake. <sighs> Yeah, they only put bad movies on YouTube. Yeah, you know, I guess they just like it ain't worth fighting. Nobody's gonna watch it anyway. Yeah, yeah. But watch the original; it's fantastic. It's a great atmospheric horror movie, especially if you haven't seen it. And maybe it will work its way into the podcast eventually. Uh, mm. Moving on, number eight for July twenty fifth, Jesse, which we're July still 25th. on track. You would be listening to the classic by Billy Joel. It's still rock and rolled me. Classic Billy Joel when he was married to Christy Brinkley and. Everything was great in his life, and now he's fat and divorced, and she still looks fine like wine. But anyway, you would have gone to the theater to see Caddyshack, ah. which we just watched again the other night. Uh, well, the first time I watched it with Autumn, but I haven't seen it in a while. So watching it again, still funny, still entertaining. Bill Murray as the groundskeeper on that damn groundhog. Which he eventually, you know, the Groundhog thwarts Bill Murray again in the 90s on Groundhog Day, making him relive the same day over and over. But Although, I did notice for the very first time that the sound effects they use for the creature, it's dolphin. Yeah. The, the you can clearly hear it a couple like, Ey-ey-ey! The Groundhog speaks dolphin. Yep. <laughs> but uh, also, uh, uh, Chevy Chase, Rodney Dangerfield, uh, the guy from the Mary Mark Tyler Moore show is the villain. Uh, who I'm missing. I know it's another actor in there somewhere. But oh, uh, the chick in the film, the young chick, she's actually the same chick that uh, was the female lead in the original Tron. And she's all sorts of naked in Caddyshack if you haven't seen it. Mm. But uh, still funny. You wouldn't know. I made you close your still eyes. Still enjoyed it. Uh, <laughs> it you know, it's not it's not as funny as I remember it because. Uh, but again, watching it See, recently, I feel like Chevy Chase was funnier now than it, than when I watched it younger. Chevy Chase's character was hilarious. Well, I think it's also when you're younger, you don't realize he's like an idiot. He's not. He's brilliant. He's hilarious. No, no, no he's a brilliant. Like he's a dumb. Like he's he does stupid things, but he's actually like smart. You know what I'm saying? No, I feel you like he's making fun of everyone else because he's smarter than everyone. No, else. he's not. He's he's smart, but he's not like intelligent. Uh, it's weird to say. If you've seen a movie, you don't talk about it because he says stupid things. Like he he says redundant things. Let things happen and be the ball. Oh, it's a no, it's yeah, it's just a bunch of quotes. And of course, probably <laughs> most people would recognize Caddyshack today from the Bill Murray meme. Yeah, you know, about uh, you, you got something going on, or something bad happened, but you got something going on for you, which is nice. Yeah. It's a big meme. I got that over. going for me, which is nice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this exact scene we're watching now in pictures. So yeah, number eight, Caddyshack again, released July twenty fifth, nineteen eighty. And number seven, moving on along for December nineteenth was the date, Jesse that this film released to theaters. It raged in the theaters. You were listening to Lady by Kenny Rogers. Ah, yes. The sultry sounds of Kenny Rogers. Lady. Not my favorite favorite Kenny Rogers song. Yeah. And it's like impossible to find on Rhapsody. Oh, there it is. There. Ah, there it is. I want you to do me a favor. Grab somebody you love. Hold them tight. Look deep in their eyes and listen to Kenny's voice. It's cold and you're on the way to the movie theater. Like, baby, we're going to have a great time tonight. I'm going to take you to the movies. We're going to see the Martin Scorsese classic Raging Bull. I think you'll love it. It's about a guy who beats the shit out of his wife. <laughs> now, there you go. 
No, I, I literally, I remember seeing this a long time ago for in a film class uh, in college, and I haven't seen it since. I watched it, actually watched it just this past weekend, revisited it myself to freshen it up because I had it on this list. I want to make sure I should have put it on this list. I, I have a confession. I don't fucking like Mark, Martin Scorsese movies. Really? What? Except, hold on, wait, <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. He has a string of Goodfellas, Casino, mm, Goodfellas, which are, are great. But, like, if you, all of his movies are, like, uh, they're always about a despicable person that has no redeeming qualities. You know what I mean? Does that make any sense? Except the Casino and uh, Goodfellas, it, you know, it's, inter- it's, more, it's done in a more entertaining way. Raging Bull is a boring movie about a horrible, horrible dude. A complete jackass. There's no redeeming quality in the film for this guy. Like, he's a Good boxer. Cinematography. Who, oh, it, it, <laughs> and, oh and technically, it's phenomenal. That's why it's on this list over yeah. one of the, some of the other honorable mentions, which I'll mention. Because Scorsese is a great director. I just I'm not a fan of a lot of his films. Yeah. Like he's not one of my Story. favorite. Yeah. There you go. Put it to you that way. If you want to, if you want to talk about a mob movie, don't look at my list, you little cheater. <laughs> I have to hide my. You ruined the surprise. No, but anyway, for yourself, for yourself, you ruined it for yourself. But uh, you know, okay. Imagine Goodfellas without like a lot of the the humorous dialogue between Pesci and De Niro and Ray Liotta, and a lot of the smack talk. That's kind of what Raging Bull is. It's just him talking to Joe Pesci like, "Hey, you know, what am I gonna do?" And his character, like, uh, his wife comes. Here's an example: his wife comes down and kisses Joe Pesci's his brother, kisses his brother, you know, and then. Kisses his, kisses De Niro and then she leaves to go out and he's like, since when you start kissing my wife to say hello, like he's that he's that kind of an asshole. Like, and granted, it's he's playing a real character and he won the best he won best actor for this role. His role's incredible. With the movie, the char- like the Jake LaMotta is just he's not a a redeemable character. There's no arc. He's th- he's a dirtbag from the moment you, you see him till the end. Okay, he, so he, he even gets kind of worse. Scorsese movies. <laughs> There's like a million of them. Yeah. You don't like any of these? No, I, I don't like a lot of them. <laughs> like, okay, for, for example, let's say he has what total? Maybe just ballparking. Uh, oh, I, could, I could go 12, here. 12, 15 movies? Uh, what? Directing. Way more than that. Directing. It's taking so long to load on IMDb, <laughs> he has so many. Filmography, director. 58. 58. Okay, that, that is a huge body of work. Mm-hmm. Now, what? Uh, Let's see. Goodfellas, Casino, Shutter Island, Wolf of Wall Street was great. Last Temptation of Christ is what I would consider his masterpiece. And uh, Gangs of New York isn't bad, but I don't think it's a great movie. It, it succeeds because of its performances. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, The Departed, uh, it's a remake of an Asian film. I, I, I didn't like it as much as like a lot of people kind of did. Uh, Taxi Drivers, you know, it's an, it fits for its time. Michael Jackson's bad. Yeah. <laughs> it's not that's not Jackson's best video either. Know. You know, I mean he has a huge body of work. I'm not like Spielberg. I like most of his stuff except like his last five films. Right. Like I'm a Spielberg fan. I'm a John Carpenter fan. I'm a Ridley Scott fan. You know, because I like a lot of their work. I like a lot of Scorsese films, but I'm not like a fan of his to work. Oh, like you know, Marty always does this or blah blah blah. It's a technique that he, you know, I'm not fluent with, you know, the language of film as he presents it in his movies, so that makes any sense. I'm shocked he still does shorts. Is that? Huh. Weird. <laughs> they might be for like something special, but yeah, you don't see that on many directors' profiles that there's a bunch That's of true. shorts and documentaries tied through it. And again, let me just clear. 
Let me just clarify. He's not. I don't, I'm not saying he's a bad director. I'm just not a huge fan of a lot of his stuff. He has some amazing films. Just not a big Scorsese fan. That's it. But uh, anyway, Raging Bull, number seven. Number six, August 1st, 1980. We were listening to... August 1st? Uh, I guess... Still, still rock and roll to me. me with still tearing up the charts. <laughs> uh, but number six is a film called The Final Countdown. No, it's not a docudrama about Europe, not the country, but the band and their, you know, one of their two hits. But uh, it's a basically a science fiction movie where an aircraft carrier, while they're just sailing around the ocean, hits some sort of time vortex, vortex and goes back in time. When they realize where they're at, they're basically the day of Pearl Harbor. So the movie's a drama about if they should stop Pearl Harbor from happening and change history. This is on YouTube. Oh, the whole movie? There mm-hmm. you go. Uh, it's, it's really good, more so for the story than, I mean, again, this is a 1980s film with, that's not like a Star Wars or a, anything like that. There's not a lot of budget going on with it. It's got a great, it's got a pretty good cast. I think Michael Douglas, Martin Sheen, as you can see the and see the cover, Kirk Douglas, excuse me. Uh, what we talked about last week or week before last, oh, yeah, two weeks paint. ago, on uh, the first Blood podcast. Like this is one that I saw in the store. Like what's having this aircraft character? This looks awesome, and it's a huge time vortex on the aircraft character, air, aircraft carrier going through it. Uh, but it's uh, it's a really cool science fiction story, very different uh, and unique, and I really liked it. This this is a film that I wouldn't mind being remade. I noticed Lloyd Kaufman's name popped up when. Oh, what is he a producer? Yeah, when I was when it was showing right here. Just oh, like don't let that dissuade you from the film. <laughs> just like, because the guy that made the Toxic Avenger <laughs> produced it, it's not bad. He's just I, an I associate promise. producer. Okay, there so. you go. It's don't let anything trauma. <laughs> when I saw that, this like, is not a trauma a film. Second. Not a trauma film. I promise. It's actually really cool. And again, like I said, this is what they should, you know, if you would have had the the budget for Battleship, this is what you should have made. You should have remade this movie and not. Battleship mm. uh, to tie it into a Navy thing. Oh, look at Emilio. Oh, I'm sorry. That's uh, Martin Sheen. <laughs> Never mind. Yeah. Uh, anyway, moving on to number five, the top five, my favorite five films that happened to come out in the year of my birth. Number five, we would have been driving to the theater on May 9th, a Friday. We would have been listening to Call Me by Blondie, which is something you would not have had happen in your cabin on Crystal Lake on Friday uh. the 13th, the original classic on May 9th, 1980. Of course, we did cover. Did we cover the first? Yeah, we covered the first one on the podcast. I was. I think that's still the earliest film that we've done on the podcast, if I remember correctly, uh, being May 9th in 1980. But of course, uh, basically copying Halloween, but more successful than the Hall- it became eventually a juggernaut and more successful than the Halloween franchise. But it all started right here in 1980 on May 9th with the little film called Friday the 13th. Mm. And then moving on on July 2nd. After you saw Friday the 13th, you're waiting for something else to come out that might be entertaining. And then on July 2nd, you decide to go to the theater while listening to Funky Town. Oh, I'm sorry, wrong no, one. Coming, coming up, up by Paul McCartney. I don't even know that song. Yeah, me neither. Is that a solo McCartney or a Wings McCartney? Well, let's pull it up and find out. We're going to give it a little listen. But anyway, you would have probably driven so fast to the theater that you probably would have been flying down the interstate to go see Airplane with an exclamation point. <laughs> Which, again, released July 2nd, 1980. The first, hu- the film that set the bar and basically created a genre with these totally ridiculous parody films. 
Uh, of course, set the stage for stuff like Top Secret, Naked Gun, Hot Shots. All those owe their genre's birth pretty much to this film, Airplane, which uh, still pretty funny when you watch it. They, I mean, what a cast. Kirk Douglas, I mean, Lloyd Bridges, Leslie Nielsen, uh, I forget the pilot's name, but he's from Mission Impossible. Uh, all sorts of other actors and actresses in the mm. film whose names I don't remember because they're not quite as famous as the ones I've already mentioned but uh, still it still holds up I think it's still funny it's no Naked Gun I think Naked Gun's pretty much the funniest movie of that kind of uh, that kind of type but it's still pretty funny I would say and that's wow. number four so this song did not hold up this <laughs> through time because I don't remember it at all nope. how long was it on the charts was it like a couple weeks or one week um Oh, where was it? Oh, back one. Three weeks. Three weeks, though. Oh, wow, look, check it out. Billy, uh, still rock and roll to me, it charted, and then it went away, and then it came back. That's Wait, a no. strong song. Wait, is that, no, that's the same one. Never mind, it was two weeks. Yeah. My bad. But, uh... Yeah, I don't like this. Yeah. Not, um, not Paul's best. No. Wow. Yeah, John Lennon said... Uh, oh, his previous single, though, was Wonderful Christmas Time, so this is definitely better than that. <laughs> Simply having a repetitive fucking song. Yeah. But anyway, moving on. The top three, my favorite... The three films, I think, are the best three films that came out in the year of my birth. Number three, the very film that started off this podcast that we listened to, none other than The Blues Brothers, June 20th, 1980. June which, 20th. Let's see. Funky Town. Funky Town. Take me to. <laughs> you do. You sing that song all the time, baby. I do not. Yes, you do. You say, "Take me to a funky town." I've never. Yes, said you. That you, in yes, my you have. Life. You're such a liar. Still a great song. Still oh, a yeah. fun song. You know why this song's horrible? Why, babe? We had the first. I think it was the first edition of Jock Jams, <laughs> and this shit was on there. Mm. My stepdad played that CD. Daryl? Oh, yes. Oh, wow. Over I'm going to give him so much hell the next time I see him. It wasn't because of the song. He would just put on the CD really loud and let it play. Well, you know, in and the this a- was like, I don't know, the eighth track or something. And during just, the age. Oh, my God. During the age of the mail order compilation <sighs> albums, the only one anybody ever should have listened to over and over was Monster Ballads. Yeah, Monster Ballads. That still holds up. Yeah. <laughs> still still a great compilation. Probably the greatest compilation of all time. <laughs> but uh, anyway, Blues Brothers, June 20th, 1980. You would have been listening to Funky Town charting on the radio as you're driving. And then you would have gone to the theater and listened to so many better songs than Funky right. Town. Right. Like the one we played at the beginning Exactly. Of and we, of course, uh, go listen to our episode on the Blues Brothers. Uh, Jesse, of course, is a reincarnation of Jim Belushi. That's what I'm told. John Belushi, excuse me. Right, not Jim. Right, right. Not, not Jim. Jim. He's not dead yet. <laughs> but, uh, when he dies, I'll absorb his powers. <laughs> no, you don't, you don't want to. It'll bring you down. Right. It'll bring you down. I know. I'm ready for it, though. <laughs> it's time. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, what's there to say? Blues Brothers is still one of the greatest comedies, comedy musicals. Of all time, what a freaking cast! Ackroyd Belushi, just still, still so great. And I mean, John Landis is a fantastic director, and one of the greatest, still one of the greatest car crashes of all time in the Blues Brothers. Oh my God! Yeah, I don't even. I think we talked. We talked about it on that, our episode. So go listen to that yeah. one for. I think we went into the detail of like exactly how many cars were crashed and all that kind of fun stuff. But now, the second best movie. Of 1980, and arguably the best directed. In fact, it is the best directed movie of 1980. I know 
the answer. Yes, because you saw my sheet. It came out on May 23rd, 1980. Listening, to, You would have again been listening to Blondie. Don't call me. But you would have been gone to be scared to death at the Overlook Hotel as you watched Stanley Kubrick's The Shining. Uh, well, I can't play Call Me to that. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you need to play Call Me, but like slow down to where it's Call Me, Danny. That's where it sounds like Tommy. Can but I anyway, down? I mean, of course, again, The Shining we've also covered on the podcast, rightfully so. Uh, notably, one of the great Daniel's favorite movie that we ever covered on the podcast when he was co-hosting. You guys remember Daniel? <laughs> <laughs> if you're listening and don't know who that is, you're not one of the elite. You need to go back and start from you're one. You're not an OG. <laughs> yeah, you're not an OG 80s. All right. Back when I used to play with the soundboards and everything. Oh, yeah. Back when we were cutting edge. <laughs> but now we're old. I can still do that. If, if I felt like it. Yeah, y'all if just gotta like send it. me uh, send me a request to bring back the soundboards. Do it, do it now. Mm. Uh, but anyway, what I mean, again, we covered on the podcast. There's not really too much to say except that it is still a fucking scary ass movie. Still great, still uh, Nicholson's best performance in my opinion. It's the one that is still. In fact, uh, we're recording this the same day as a couple of other episodes. When we leave here, I'll be going to GameStop to pick up Mortal Kombat. It's it's referenced in the new Mortal Kombat. Johnny Cage has a fatality where he goes in from behind, rips their, them open, and goes, "Here's Johnny," which is both hilarious, <laughs> more and morbidly amazing at the same time, and a complete Shining reference. Hmm. So of course, again, if you haven't seen any of these movies, get out from under your fucking rock and watch them. I understand you haven't seen The Young Master. That's kind of a right. niche. But, uh, or that boat movie. Yeah. The, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, you're right. <laughs> but you should. You should watch. You like science it's fiction. On YouTube. You should watch it. Uh, very low res, though. <laughs> Give me a headache yeah, just was, watching. Yeah, that's we're doing it. But, uh, yeah, The Shining. Number two. Now, what could possibly be better in 1980 than The Shining? Well, I there's, know, I there's know. really only one movie that I would consider better than The Shining for the year 1980. It's also the highest grossing film of 1980 and the best of a quadrilogy, or excuse me, a du- double trilogy, soon to be triple trilogy. Oh, we all know what it it's is. It's The Empire Strikes Back, <laughs> which released two days before The Shining. Ah, so, wow. so more call me from Blondie. Yeah. So I, I'm assuming Empire probably released on a Wednesday. Shining came out on a Friday. This would be my guess with the two day difference. But yeah, it's hard to dispute that the best Star Wars film wasn't the best film of 1980. Screw that, I'm just going to play main title. It works. Do it. It's, it's appropriate <laughs> because chills every time. Every time. God. Makes a little, little bit of smile creeping across my face. <laughs> because of this theme. It takes me back to a simpler time. The only time I get giddy about this theme is when we're in Disney World. <laughs> you bitch. <laughs> I swear to God, when we're in a theater in December of this year, and that thing yeah. hits, if you don't, if you're not smiling and oh cheering me on, GTFOB. How do you think you're gonna Just feel when you leave that theater? I hope. Sorely <laughs> I hope. No, here's here's the thing. Like, for example, Phantom Menace. Mm-hmm. Everybody agrees that movie's garbage. Sure. It had for every good thing in it, there's at least ten bad things. But I ain't gonna lie. Walking out of the theater with the Phantom Menace, fucking awesome. Then we watched it, you know, the next week. The next time, mostly awesome. The next, yeah, exactly. The next week, you walk out, mostly awesome. Uh, and then you come out, awesome. 
Then you can't cry. <laughs> why, God, why? Jar Jar. <laughs> and the kid. And... Yeah, that kid got so much shit that he re- retired from acting. Yeah. Well, He's a mechanic cause... in Chatsworth now. <laughs> Good, because he was bad. He was bad in Jingle <laughs> all the way, mechanic? too. mechanic? So yeah, people probably he, go um, in there and quote, uh, <laughs> Hey, <laughs> won't you fix my pod? Like, he, he owns his own shop, and he fixes AJ. up. AJ! <laughs> <laughs> I want to find out where that is and come up with a Jar Jar costume. Annie! It's Annie! No, he worked so for that dude. Uh, what was his name? Bol- Bulbas? Uh, uh, Sebulba. Oh, no, Sebulba. No, he worked yeah. for Watto. Watto? Sebulba was the, uh, the racer, that the rival that's racer. That's right, that's right. So He's Watto. a Doug, an especially dangerous Doug at that. To quote Jake Lloyd from The Phantom Menace. Yeah. You can go in there and do Watto quotes and be like, ha ha. Hey, <laughs> you my boy. It's his shop, so he could just tell you to leave. Right. Fine, fine. But it, uh, fuck him. This is yeah. for episode one. <laughs> fuck you, Jake Lloyd. What's it called? Uh, I what don't know. would Jake Lloyd's shop be called? <laughs> what was the name of the shop in Phantom Menace? <laughs> yeah. He's trying to maintain that fame. Like, right. yeah, it's me. No. He shows up dressed in the Freezing costume. the money, man. Like, he got picked on in school for it, and, like, just all the bad shit that happened because of how he portrayed... They called him Mannequin. (laughs) 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 No, no. I'm I'm sorry. It's a shame that he got picked on that bad in school. Right. That's not a joking matter. But in hindsight, it is fucking hilarious. We're applauding the cleverness of (laughs) of these insults. Well, I don't think the kids came up with that because adults also made fun of him and like right. fans well, made fun of face. him. And, you know, he, he got a lot of shit for it. And so he retired from acting as a child actor because he got so much shit from playing Anakin Well, Skywalker. see, I mean, the blame totally lies on George Lucas for casting yeah. a fucking kid. Excuse me, a child. A yeah. child to be Anakin Skywalker. No, you should have been about five years older than it that. It should have been Hayden Christensen or whoever he wanted at the time, in yeah, my yeah, opinion. Yeah. So he's an adult going through this journey and not like... I'm sorry. When you're watching, when especially when you watch Phantom Menace now, I and mean, it's like, so uh, he's gonna bang that older chick. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's like they're gonna have two kids. It's like uh, I'm not sure the laws in the galaxy far, different. far away, but that might be a little statutory. Yeah. The years there are shorter. Yeah. <laughs> Depending on the road, you know, the, the different yeah. planets' length from the sun. Yeah. You know, that, and honestly, I can deal with Jar Jar in Episode One. It's really honest. My biggest complaint is him. Actually, there's two things. Story-wise, it's the midi chlorians. Which yeah. is that makes no sense. That ruins the entire trilogy, in my opinion, because saying the force is something biological and not, you know, it's supposed to be mystical. That's what's yeah. amazing. You know, like the, you know, it's it's mysterious. It's mm-hmm. ruddy mysterious. And then you you define what the force is, and then you have this terrible actor kid. I mean, you know, no offense, Jake Lloyd, but you were not the best actor. And I'm not alone in thinking that. I'm mm-hmm. sorry you got picked on. I truly am. You should come be a co-host on A's Revisited. He can't. He lives in Chatsworth. He, hey, Skype. Where's Chatsworth? It's in L.A. It's a, a, it's a neighborhood. It's considered Los Angeles. Oh, but well, next time we all are over there, bring a little portable. That's actually, Justin, his brother, lives in Chatsworth. Okay, well, have him do an interview, and he'll be our correspondent. <laughs> uh, I'm going to get kicked out the second I'll get, Hey, where's the boy? I think he'll tell us to get the fuck out, and uh, that'll be the end of it. Where do I park my pod? <laughs> I'm like, okay, I'm leaving, I'm leaving, and then get somebody, my brother, to come in. Annie! Annie, it's a me! Nope. God. I mean, I do feel, it is a shame they got picked on that bad. In all seriousness, that's, re- that's really a well, shame. Well, that's what happens to little kids. Anytime you're different, you well, get picked on First of all, if, you, if my child was an actor, I'd homeschool that motherfucker. Because even if you were in a good, like, I'm sure Haley Joel Osment got picked on, too, even though, like, he did a great job in that Christina one movie. Christina she did. Yeah, well, she's a great actor, you know, I mean. Yeah. You know, so I mean, you're gonna get picked on whether right. you're, you're good or bad. But when because you're he, you're in a different. movie that's 
that ruins the greatest trilogy of all time. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They called them mannequins. That, no, that is. I would say that for Hayden Christensen too. <laughs> like they're both mannequins. <laughs> but anyway, uh, speaking of Star Wars, talking about the original trilogy, uh, they call it. Uh, I think they call it, they call uh, it's a it's a quirky name for it. I'm I'm not, it's not the right name, but like it's called the chainsaw cut. But here's what you do: you watch Star Wars, then you watch Empire, then you watch Episode Two, Attack of the Clones, and Revenge of the Sith. Then you watch Return of the Jedi for the whole story. You omit Episode One, and the reason you do that: a, it's terrible, but b, there's really not much story wise. Yeah. That you need to see that to it's progress all, like, the the storyline there. It's annoying. And it also, because they only mention midi-chlorians in episode one, it takes all that out. Mm. And that's kind of like the, like... Uh, it's like a do-over. Basically. And like, and the thing is, you could tell, you like, people that haven't seen Star Wars, people, like, that's kind of the thing. You recognize, you'd say... Machete order. Machete, yeah, I knew it was like Chainsaw or something. Machete mm. order, yeah. Uh, but I haven't, like, gone and watched them in that order to see, like, how it actually plays. But it makes sense from my memory of it. That's what we'll have to do Friday, I guess. You'll just have to take off work. Maybe. No, on May the 4th, I shall do this. <laughs> on Star Wars Day. But yeah, the machete cut. Episode Star Wars, Empire, Attack of the Clones, Revenge of the Sith, finish it with Return of the Jedi. And that's the whole story. That's all you need. Even though you have to watch, unfortunately, Attack of the Clones, which honestly is just as bad as Phantom Menace. <laughs> I'm sorry. What the honest? Any Star Wars fan knew that when... They were announced the prequel trilogy. All you wanted to see was fucking Revenge of the Sith. The moment where he becomes Vader. That was the whole thing that everybody wanted to see. And it took him six years to get there and two shitty ass movies. <laughs> whose special effects are so flippin' terrible. Yeah. They do not hold up. No, not at all. It looks all. really bad. It looks very plastic. That being said. Although, Ewan McGregor is in it. Oh, he's phenomenal. Like, <laughs> him and, uh, you know... <laughs> They they flip and kill off both Qui Gon and Darth Maul in the in the Phantom Menace. Like you know, they, there's so many. Okay, this isn't the Star Wars podcast. This is <laughs> getting way off base here. But everybody knows how much we love Star Wars here. Someone but, has uh, a cut of one through three that lasts two hours. That might be worth watching. <laughs> it must be the whole movie of three and then like five minutes of yeah. one and two. I mean, that's relatively good uh, feedback. You know, through the likes, and dislikes. Much like. Keep vid it to save it as a AVI and then watch it on a real TV. Uh, yeah, I could watch it on my. I'll probably... I can watch it on my. Yeah. Whoa! I can get it at seven twenty <laughs> on my TV. So I'll be all right. But anyway, that's my top. What I consider the ten bet my ten favorite films of nineteen eighty, and also there, are, there of course there were other films. I have a couple of honorable mentions, uh, which definitely this first honorable mention will never be on this list because it's 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 bad but it's still fun. It's the nineteen eighty Flash Gordon. Of course, with a soundtrack by Queen. Mm. Uh, it's bad, but it's still fun. Like, I still like it. It's still fun. Do you know what he did after Flash Gordon? Who? The actor. No. I just read a BuzzFeed article about this. That's weird. Oh, I know he did Ted, like, no. 30 years later. Oh, yeah, no, no. But he was, like, referencing himself in Ted. Yeah. No, 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 no. What he does professionally, he's basically a superhero. He runs his own securities company. He is a... It's a bodyguard company for rich people. He also does high um, high stakes, like, when you have to, retractions. He does retractions. Wow. So um, he said one of his clients, when he fig- found out he was Flash Gordon, laughed and told him if he had known him as Flash Gordon before, 
he would never have taken him seriously as a security guard. (laughs) (laughs) And then imagine you're the guy who is coming to be rescued and like, bam, Flash Gordon's there to get you out. (laughs) I hope he wears that muscle shirt. Of Under course his shirt. he doesn't, but like he's there to get you, and you're like, <laughs> he has like his cars have exterior speakers. You're just waiting he has a for button him. on his belt. <laughs> you would just be <laughs> waiting for them to be like, <laughs> is this really the guy that's getting me out? Because I need some actual security. Right. That's so awesome. I did not know that. Yeah, glad you're here to tell us these things. Yeah, I read so much stuff. You do on the internet. <laughs> My second honorable mention of the year would be David Lynch's film, similar to Raging Bull, also in black and white. The Elephant Man, starring John Hurt and Anthony Hopkins. I think we've covered almost all of the ones in the IMDb top ten not, from this year. Yeah, not Blue Lagoon. Yeah. yeah. We can go through that. Uh, number ten, Friday the 13th. Number nine, Flash Gordon. Eight, Caddyshack. Seven, Raging Bull. Six, Blue Lagoon. What do you think of that one? I don't think I've ever seen anything uh, other really? than Brooke Shields' bathing scene. Oh, my God. <laughs> then finally, five, Blues Brothers. Four, Elephant Man. Three, Star Wars. Two airplane, one shining. And that's not a bad... I mean, that's... I mean, Respectable. Yeah. I mean... I feel dirty watching Blue Lagoon, though. I can't watch that. <laughs> mm, I'm going to watch it when I get home. <laughs> yeah. It's really weird, and they're like little kids. I review it on my own. <laughs> 5.7, but it's on their top 10 of the year. Yeah, I know. Well... Oh, was that, oh, that just somebody's list, or was that like no, by rating? by movie meter. I guess that's just a uh, IMDb system of probably number of hits and stuff. Ah, Makes sense. But anyway, what's a best of list without crowning the worst film of 1980? I know the answer. Mm. Because you saw my list. (laughs) It was covered on this podcast, and it was probably, it wasn't, Daniel spoke very highly of it. I did not like it. Nope. And for fans of it, you're probably shouting it right now at this thing. I can't hear you, but I know you're correct because you're talking about the terrible film of Xanadu. Starring the lovely and beautiful Aww. Olivia Newton-John. The roller skating muses. And, God, the movie's so bad. It's terrible. It's so bad. Like, that was honestly probably the worst movie I've had to watch for this podcast. I can't believe we watched the whole thing. I had to fin- I did, it's what we do for our fans, Autumn. We watched the whole thing. So bad. Of course, a whole bunch of... Uh, oh, my God. It was on Broadway? Why? It's kind of a gay I thing. Like, it's a big, like, gay musical. Is it? No, like it's. I know it's like one of those like the gay musical called Gay, and it takes place in the takes past. Takes place in the past. Uh, no, but it's like one of those kind of. You know how some movies are adopted by like certain subcultures. Yeah. Like Mommy Dearest, they like that too. Uh, don't say they. Well, I mean, it's not me. <laughs> I'm not saying it in a derogatory way. I know. No, but I mean, you know, Mommy Dearest, uh, Xanadu. What's another one? There's so many. Uh, I don't know. Whatever you know, and then you know, I mean, same thing. Like you know. Boys in the Hood is obviously, you know, or oh no, excuse me, terrible example, Scarface. Hip hop culture has adopted that movie, like yeah. has taken that movie right. into something that like it's not even part of, so to speak. You know, that's all I'm saying is like certain movies become I- uh, iconic to demographics. Mm. Okay. But anyway, D- Jesse, please, please what? turn this off. Oh, up? okay. No! No! <laughs> <laughs> See that part in Scanners where that dude's head blew up? I, ju- I just gotta think of Olivia Newton-John in this part. That's the only thing keeping me sane. Need visuals. Ah! Visuals. But anyway, so there you go. The best and the worst film of 1980, as far as we're concerned. I wouldn't have played it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, to us, uh, to get like uh, taking it back to kind of the, uh, 
you know, we, we normally do the back, to, I mean, the in the real world section and all that. Uh, the winner for Best Picture and uh, the Academy Awards, the top five Academy Awards for 1980, Best Picture went to Ordinary People, which mm. is a Robert Redford film. And he also took home the Oscar for Best Director for it as well. I mentioned earlier De Niro won for Raging Bull. Fantastic performance. And it was interesting, too, because I always thought that he like wore makeup for the later part of the film where he's fat. No, he went to Paris for three months, pigged out, and came back and from the end of the film and gained 30 pounds. I want to do that. Mm, must be nice. Yeah. Good job, Robbie. But uh, Best Actress went to Sissy Spacek, not for Carrie, but for Coal Miner's Daughter. Yeah. So it's, uh, this was also a, this was an interesting fact. The winner for actor and actress both won for playing real people. The real people they played were in attendance at the Academy Awards. Only time in history that's ever been the case. Also uh-huh. today, wait, is it today or tomorrow, is Loretta Lynn's birthday? Happy 112th birthday to Loretta Lynn, who's still alive. <laughs> Technically, that was two weeks ago. Yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. Based on our recording I'll schedule. We're dated now. Dates yeah. of Fun fact with Loretta Lynn, she, uh, I don't know how many albums she's released since then, but she actually did a, release an album that was produced by Jack White. Yeah. That was actually really, really good. good like, I really liked it. Like, yeah. I'm not a Loretta Lynn fan. Mm-hmm. I, like, oh, I like that era of country music a lot, but you're not, just never a fan of hers. But her, that album with Jack White, I mean, it was Jack really good. White makes gold. That's yeah. what it is. It was really good. I like him. But, uh, Very much. And to round it out... Let's play uh, some Jack White songs. Yeah, do go. it. <laughs> but uh, the highest that, grossing films of 1980. That's my favorite part of Shine a Light when we were talking about Scorsese. Shine a Light, you know? Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Jack White goes on that for like one whole song. Mm-hmm. And what <laughs> song is it? Do you remember? Yeah, it's... Um, Take a little drink. Yeah, Love and Cup is there a you go. Is, yeah. Good job, babe. I was thinking jump. That was the first film me and Autumn saw together in the theater as a couple. It was our first date. It wasn't our first really? date. That was our first movie date. Okay. We probably had sushi. Yeah. <laughs> like we normally did. But anyway, mm-hmm. the highest grossing films of 1980. No surprise, Star Wars Episode Five: The Empire Strikes Back was number one. Two, and this is 1980s dollars. 1980 dollars. Excuse me. $209.3 million. Just for inflation, that's probably half a billion. Yeah, not bad. Not a bad poll. <laughs> Number two, last week's film, nine to five, surprisingly, made half of what Star Wars did, 103.2. Number three, the Gene uh, Wilder and Richard uh, Pryor comedy, Stir Crazy, at 101. Mm. Airplane came in at number four at 83. Any Which Way You Can with Eastwood came in at 70.6. Number six was Private Ven- Benjamin, Goldie Hawn's kind of breakout role. Number seven was Coal Miner's Daughter. Uh, Probably Benjamin made 69. Coal Miner's Daughter made 67. Number eight, Smokey and the Bandit 2, 66.1. Number nine, the aforementioned Blue Lagoon at 58. And number 10, the Blues Brothers at 57.2 million. So overall, 1980 was a pretty good year. There was, I think there was some, some of the, some, like the, one of the best horror films ever made, uh, certainly some of the best comedies ever made, and the best Star Wars film ever made, all in 1980. So all in all, a great year, but let's face it, my friends, it's still no 1986, as we'll get to sometime down the road eventually, yep. and we do the same thing for 1986. So hope you enjoyed just this little... Everybody loves top 10 lists. Everybody, everybody loves... Except my <laughs> wife, who didn't have a childhood, as we talked about previously. Uh, but I, I know I enjoy always enjoy hearing other people's like top 10s on subjects that I like, just A, to hear if they agree with me and are correct, or if they're dead wrong with their stupid choices. <laughs> But anyway, everybody, hope you had fun. Hope you know you agree or disagree. If you agree or disagree, drop us an email, 80sRevisited at gmail.com, on Facebook, the interwebs, Twitter, at AwesomePods. My wife's kicking me. Do I, did I need to say something? 
Am I forgetting something? And of course, we're part of the Awesome Podcast Network. Plenty of old episodes of Geekly Dose and all the other podcasts on the Awesome Podcast Network. And as always, a huge shout out to our friends in Lafayette, James and John, with Now versus Nostalgia. Give them a listen after you listen to ours to keep that vibe of nostalgia running thick through the veins, as the Ultimate Warrior would say. But as I would say, until next week, everybody, in which it will be Autumn's Choice of a Brat Pack film. Films, uh. Films, uh, maybe. We'll see. Seven. We just start talking and, you know, might have to break it up, toots. <laughs> oh, am I talking to Jesse that time? You missed yes. your opportunity to read your joke again. I was trying not to repeat it again. <laughs> it's okay. You're, it's always lovable and funny. But anyway, everybody, until next time, I remain Trey Harris. His wife. And Jesse Sedgley. Cowabunga from 1980. This show and more on Facebook.com slash AwesomePods. And follow us on Twitter at AwesomePods. 